Hello and welcome to Theatre Club Podcast. We're the podcast that brings you theatre news, theatre booze, and theatre reviews. <laughs> I'm Oscar. And I'm Alice. And welcome to another episode. This is going to be a jam-packed episode. Ugh, we have Let's literally seen up. so many amazing shows. We have got Dirty Dancing in the West End. We've got Steve, a new play at a brand new theatre, the Seven Dars Playhouse. We've got Saturday Night Fever and Weathering Heights. Heathcliff, it's me, it's Cathy. I've come home <laughs> to the National Theatre. So yeah, it's going to be a jam-packed episode and we'll have Alice's top tip, which we always start our episode with. We're going to do a themed cocktail to go with one of the shows feels good to have seen a variety of such different stuff as well actually yeah sometimes it's so nice just to see those of different styles different small theatres big theatres a big brashy show like Saturday Night Fever and then a tiny little show like Steve like Steve with Jenna Russell ah I'm oh so excited to see a generous I've actually again. like missed her so much. I wish she was on Instagram or something, but she has like no social media. So She's I can't on Twitter, even... I think, but we don't do Twitter anymore because you could be asked. <gasps> no. But we we were supposed to see her in Hello Dolly, obviously, with um, Imelda Staunton, and that got cancelled because oh, of the pandemic. Be a huge show. So this is the first. She had a concert that we missed a few months ago, which is really annoying. Oh, at Cadogan Hall. Was yeah. That? So this is the first time we are going to see a generous show, and we just. You know when you have those performers that you just love and cannot wait to see in something? That's Jenna Russell for us. Mm-hmm. And um, spoiler alert, she didn't disappoint. <laughs> I love so, you, Jenna! I love you so much. <laughs> and I should say that this week we're back at our family home to see Mama. Yeah. Um, and we've got a roaring fire going. Who, who lit that fire? You lit that fire yeah. and you lit it really well. But just in case, I don't know how if that's going to show up on the recording, but... That's our sound bed. If you can hear like a weird crackling, that's a roaring fire. I'm if you can hear, that I did that. if you can hear clattering, battering, whizzing, boiling, that's our mum making Bistro us a Sunday mama. roast she in make the me kitchen. Sunday roast. So any odd noises you hear will be our mother because we've set her to work making us a Sunday roast while we sit here talking about theatre and drinking cocktails. And if you like, hear any scoffing, it's because they cannot believe our parents like watch somebody on. I think it was pointless um, talking about. Um, did they know where the where Egypt was or the Suez? Oh no, it was on House of Games, Richard Osman's oh, House it. of Games, and they all had the celebrities had to put where the Sphinx was or something, and yeah. none of them knew where Egypt was. And then look. somebody put it. on. I'm like, I don't know how to break it to them that I don't either. You don't know where Egypt? Is. I mean, look, I know I it's in know- the to- it's in the top right corner. I don't know, know where that? the Sphinx and all that, and whether he's like, well, surely the Nile is in the, you know, this comes out. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they, they've talked about that on three occasions in one day they now. They really can't get over it. The fact that people don't know where Egypt is, which, look, I guess you should know where Egypt is, okay? Don't get me wrong, but there's a lot of things that I'm they like, probably... Do you know what Taylor Swift's last album was called? Mm-hmm, exactly. I no, mean, you don't. They have absolutely no idea, yeah. and I feel like that's pretty shocking. Yeah. I do. I didn't even listen to Taylor Swift, but and I know, know these things. Yeah. yeah. So you know, look, knowledge is <laughs> knowledge is porridge, as, as they say in the thick of it. I don't know what it means, but I think it's apt. Oh my god! Please yeah. just call the episode of the title of this episode "Knowledge is Porridge." Knowledge is porridge. <laughs> Speaking so of which, let's move on. Let's talk theatre. Let's talk our theatre knowledge. So let's have your top tip for this episode, then, Alice. My top tip, which is beginning on tour in April, is The Share Show. The Share Show. I'm so excited. Share Show. Oh. I'm doing a hair flick as we speak. So it is a production between Otomobuse, 
Strictly oh, that's and dancing dancer and choreographer Arlene Phillips. They have joined forces to bring oh. this production to the European stage because it's already been in Broadway. So obviously it's about Cher. It's going to chart her sort of rise to fame and her relationships. It's going to talk about her mom and it's going to have all of her hits in it. Mm. Arlene Phillips is directing oh. and Ota Mabuse is going to do the choreography. We saw Ain't Misbehaving at the Solid Playhouse that OT oh, choreographed, and that and was, was amazing choreography. So I'm looking forward to that a lot. Oh, whenever OT dances on Strictly, I just, those legs, it's just incredible. Yeah, so the, the fact that these two names are attached to this instant, I mean, I love Cher anyway. Um, I'm going to wear my Cher t-shirt. I've got it ready to go. But the other thing um, that I was like, oh, this is this is also really going to be great now. Obviously, Cher's costume designer was famously Bob Mackie. Bob Mackie, yeah. Um, and like Kim Kardashian has like like done loads of costumes inspired by Bob Mackie's costumes mm-hmm. now. It's They're like, very outlandish. Yeah, and loads of people have recreated them and been inspired by them. Um, but for this production, the um, the costumes are being done by Gabriella Slade. Do I know her? Yes, she did all the costumes for Six. Ah, okay, cool. Um, as well as doing other cool things like um, the Spice World Tour in 2019 okay. and um, Bedknobs and Broomsticks, which we saw recently, which ah. didn't have like amazing costumes in it, but she does um, curtains. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, okay. So the, the costumes in Six for me are like the best, whenever I think of like cool costumes, mm-hmm. those diamante tights, the PVC skirts, like... How they all have their own individual style yeah. and tailored, even like yeah. that Spice World Tour, I remember the costumes from that. So I remember seeing the sketches of them, of what Victoria yeah. Beckham... Like, they're kind of did... iconic instantly yeah. when you think of six. They're such that's such an important part of the show actually that they all have their individual look tailored but all around one Tudor style. It's very cool. Yeah, so I think it's really important who does the costumes for the share show because mm. obviously that's what one of the things that she's renowned for. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. So it starts on tour in April. And it's going to Ireland and the UK. Go onto the website and you can see all the places it's going. It's going to Woking, Milton Keynes. Brighton. Brighton, sure. York. Um, London, it will be coming to the new Wimbledon Theatre. Is the nearest. And then I wonder, I'm sure it's eyeing up a West End transfer if the tour is successful. Yes. So let's hope it is. So just a quick look at tickets. I picked Milton Keynes Theatre because, um, why not? And August the 13th, which is a Saturday night, the tickets are really reasonable. You can sit in the middle of the stalls for £47. Oh, wow. You can sit on the front row for £60. Not bad. Um... Yeah, I think it will be really good fun. And I feel like Cher's got such sort of camp style to her already that the show will just be fun and knowing and just something that I would really like to see. So the Cher show is on tour from April this year um, through the whole year. Go onto the website on AGT tickets and see where you can go and see it. I think it's going to be amazing. Yeah, and let's hope it gets a West End transfer as well one day. Snap out of it! (laughs) So let's do our first review of this bumper episode, which will be Steve, which is a play, a new play at the new theatre, the Seven Dials Playhouse, which I think before was the Actors Centre or something. Is I hadn't heard of it, but it's a newly refurbished, brand new theatre in Seven Dials, right by Covent Garden, near Matilda. If anyone knows where that theatre is, and the Donmar Warehouse, just off one of those... Kind of near Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Mm -hmm. So very much West End, brand new theatre, quite a small theatre space, very modern front of house, which was nice. And for this production, we were very interested to see what the space would be like, but for this production, I was not expecting it. It's They've styled it like Joe Allen, the the famous theatre kind of um, 
there's one in London and one in New York. I think the New York one came first, and it's yeah. just an institution it's, yeah, for it's Broadway. Where people have been going. Actors particularly go at the end of a show. People, you know, first night parties are often at Joe. Yeah, Allen. Royal Opera House. You always go for dinner afterwards or before the show at Joe Allen's. It stays open really late, and it looks very. The pit, the walls are covered in like pictures of old Broadway or old West End productions. It's sign- traditional Italiany kind of food, isn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, white tablecloth, red leather, mm-hmm. um, boot. You know, it's very traditional. And yes. it's very lo- theatre lovies. Yes, so they've turned the theatre space into Joe Allen Broadway and there's tables around the edge that the audience can sit on and then there's a small section of raped seating which we sat on. And this place, Steve, ran off Broadway recently and has now come over to London for its UK premiere. It's written by Mark Gerard and directed by Andrew Keats. And we were just obviously excited to see this because of the casting. It stars Jenna Russell, who is a West End legend that we're obsessed with. And um, David David Ames. Ames, sorry, yeah, David Ames. And he was in Holby City, for any Holby fans out there. I'm not familiar with with Holby. He is the titular Steve. And um, it's, it's basically about Steve. He's a gay man living with his partner, also called Steve. So it's Stephen and Stephen. And they live in New York. They are in their late 40s, I think. And they've got a child. They've got a circle of gay friends. Jenna Russell is one of their friends. They've got another couple who are friends of theirs. And the, sh- the show starts in Joe Allen. They're all sat down for Steve's birthday. And kind of revelations about their lives start coming out. And it's basically about a group of friends of a certain age. Um, it's set in the modern day. But obviously, because they're all in the late 40s, it has sort of older gay references to steel magnolias and things like that but then also modern references to like dating apps etc monogamy and open relationships that's yeah kind of that's kind of the, of the theme of the of the show is about yeah it's about relationships really and it's the dialogue right from the off is very acerbic witty banter between friends these are all old friends and they all have their own language and they're all theater obsessed and obviously the two main characters are called steve but in the sort of background is Stephen Sondheim. That's the other sort of music playing. The when unsaid we come, when, Steve. And there's a, there's a um, there's a piano accompaniment throughout oh, yes. the whole show. There's a live pianist um, in the corner. Yeah, and he's playing all Stephen Sondheim. Um, not singing along, just literally piano music. Yes, in between when they change scene, it's accompanied by different Sondheim numbers. So he's kind of in the background is Steve, and they're constantly making. References to Sondheim shows, you know, hey, old friends. They just, they've got this very witty language between them all that's both loving and familiar. And these are old friends, but also can sometimes be kind of bitchy and they can be short with each other. Steve, the main character or one of the Steves is, you know, he's go, they're all going through something, but he's quite, he's obviously got some kind of anger and resentment about his life. So there's a, there's a lot of, you know, midlife crises, basically. Things that all people that I think the writer has been there was a uh, the program i was actually we, we went on a garden night so we were giving a free program and i was really happy that i'd read it beforehand he was saying that he often sits and talks to his barber about things that him and his friends are talking about are they losing their looks should they be in an open relationship are they going to start thinking about having children their best friends are you know doing this and that and it was like that's obviously just he's put his life onto paper mm-hmm. and i loved it yeah, it was so brilliant. It's what the new Sex in the City remake should have been. Oh my god, you're so right. <laughs> it's it was kind of, it was like a it was a conversation around a dinner table. It was Will and Grace esque. If you're a big Broadway fan as well, there'll be so many things in there that you're like it speak will speak to you. Some jokes about Audrey like, McDonald and jokes about Je- Kristen Chenoweth. Yes, like, the Kristen Chenoweth one was really good. That. 
yes, the night we went, you could tell there were a lot of theatery, gay theatery people there, basically, that got it all. It has that language down perfectly. And I think that um, David Ames absolutely nailed it. I was 100% convinced that he was that character. Mm. And Jenna, it's what Jenna does perfectly. She plays their slightly older friend, actually, and she's got cancer in it. And she's kind of, she, it's just what Jenna does so well that she's just so lovable. You could, you just want her as a friend, even though in it she's not, you know, she's not a perfect person, but she's just that old friend that everyone what wants. What is it about her? There's something about her that's so soft yeah. in a way and kind of wise. Yeah. She... And their relationship was really nice together. I liked the bit where he, she was sort of having a bit of a, you know, she's dealing with cancer and she's having, She's talking to her friend about her ex-girlfriend. And yes. he, and then he starts saying, well, think about me. Look at where I am. My relationship, this and that. And she's like, it's me. I'm talking about me. She does it in a way as well, though, that you can see why she is his friend. And she, It's not overwrought. Like, why do you always have to make it about you, Steve? It's like, this is something she knows about her friend. She's not going to throw their friendship away because of it. But it's something she needs to check him on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like does. the way that she's just like, this one is about me. It's funny, as we went in, we were saying, I was so excited to see Jenna Russell, but going to see her in a play is always one of those things we think, oh, I just wish she would sing, but because we love it when she sings, she interprets songs like nobody else. But we knew it was a play, so she wouldn't be doing that. But not only was it a play where she's not going to sing, but it was constantly scored by Sondheim. It was like they were rubbing it in our face. <laughs> it was a bit of a tease. I'm like, please, Jenna, just sing There's Children Will Listen or something. Just... Yeah. And also because she'd been in that production of Merrily We Roll Along, there were so many references to that. There was a poster songs. in the in the, um, in the the background saying Merrily We Roll Along. And they kept going on about old the line, Hey, old friend, from Merrily We Roll Along. And also she had that vibe of Mary, the character she played. Yes, you're right. In that sort of three-way friendship they have. But I just thought it was brilliant. I thought the supporting cast were good, although I don't think that anyone, any of the other characters nailed it as well as David Ames did. He It felt so authentic coming from him because this is an American play written by an American writer. So they've it's got its own gay Broadway language. And I felt that his felt so authentic. And I'm not sure that all the other characters nailed all the, the kind of the quips and references as well. A few of them fell sort of flat. And right, a few of it, mm. some of the monologues became, like, some of the monologues were amazing, and then mm-hmm. I felt a couple of the other characters' ones were a bit shrill, yeah, a bit I didn't repetitive, get, and a bit when, kind of, mm, like, on the phone. On the phone. Like, yeah, that, didn't that bit didn't for me, work for me. Because I didn't understand, actually, what was being set up in that scene. Whereas I felt that David Ames, he, there was something about him as well. I really liked his face. He you just kind of felt sorry for him, even though he wasn't always the nicest character. He looked vulnerable, didn't he? Yes. He looked like a sort of quite vulnerable... Brilliant casting man sweet but also you're like you're your own self-saboteur yeah i just really really loved it the staging was brilliant in the in the joe allen and then they would move to another scene and a small bit of lighting or one prop would signal we're in a coffee house we're in a hospital we're in wherever it was so good and 90 minutes all the way through <gasps> 90 minutes so all the way through you, love it and it couldn't have been any done any different way you really felt like you'd seen an episode of something yeah like a little film perfect like a little film. film yeah and we were out by nine o'clock which means you can then trot across the road to Joe Allen's. Oh, yes, and that's cool. You, If you go to Joe Allen after you've been to see Steve and show them your ticket, you get 15% off, which is pretty cool and kind of a fun way to do it if you're just living in that um, the inside baseball Broadway-ness of it all. To then go to Joe Allen's and have a drink or a late dinner would be kind of a cool thing I to do. I wish so we'd cool. known about that. Well, you know how, like, we don't usually do... Th- we're usually running from work, but... 
when we went to see Moulin Rouge, I don't know if anyone's listened to that episode yet, we all went for dinner beforehand mm-hmm. at... Um, Brasserie Zadel. Yeah, Brasserie Zadel. And it really... It is yeah. great to go somewhere that's in the Oh, yeah, well, with... you could go before. I think uh, the thing I read said if you go afterwards and show your thing, but I'm sure you can go before. I think if you just have a ticket to Steve or go for, afterwards, that, for that just night. Just to sort of like tap and, and tail the night. About it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really nice. Yeah, I thought it was actually a perfect, perfect play. Just really funny, perfect length. Um, let's talk about seating really quickly for tickets because it's, it's very odd. Okay. So there's the, there's the cafe seats inside Joe Allen that you can So you're sit, basically sat on the stage. Sat on the stage. They are 98 pounds and 88 pounds. That's a lot. And then if you sit where we sat, which is in the rate normal seating section, 23 pounds or 16, which Huge is a difference. crazy jump. And it's not like the can-can tables at Moulin Rouge or sitting at the front at the Kit Kat Club new cabaret production, which we haven't been to, but from what I've heard, it's very immersive. I, I don't, I don't understand why you would pay nearly a hundred pounds instead of twenty pounds just to be sat on the stage. And, and it's actually, not that many of you. There's only like six tables on the stage. Yeah, it's, it's not, not like t- you're. And wow, the theatre's really so in... small. We were in it too. Yeah. So I, I, I love it. I just wouldn't recommend unless you money's no object. Throw the cash. But I mean, I really wouldn't recommend um, spending that kind of money. You're not getting anything special. No. I, I think there was beer on the table. So I think maybe if you, you get a free, maybe you get free drinks if you sit on those tables. Mm. Still not worth £98, though. Just sit on the, the rake seating. Not a bad view from any of those seats. It's a small, standard, oh, raised Oh, you could sit seating. anywhere, you'll get a good seat. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. I'm so excited to see what other things they do at this new theatre, which is the Seven Dials Playhouse. And Steve is running there until the 19th of March. Um, highly recommend it. Anyone who is a, a Broadway West End fanatic will oh, absolutely love you'll get it. All the jokes, and anyone who just likes, in, you know, stories about relationships, whether they be gay, straight, or whatever, just about people of a certain age in life going, you know, it's just a, a kind of universal. Oh, it's covers brilliant. lots of bases. I think this is a play that's going to hang. You know, when you sort of think this is a play of our time that will be with us for a long time. People will do this again. Yes, because that's it's what got I'm such trying to say. Very funny script. Really, really loved it. That was Steve. Go see it. You've got till the 19th of March and tickets, £16 or £23, a bargain. Don't spend 100 quid. <laughs> um, Jenna Russell is worth £100, of course. Oh, but I'd you can pay you can £100 get, pounds to see her brush her hair. You can get, am- <laughs> you can get amazing seats for 23 So let's move swiftly on to our next show, which is a Dirty Dancing, or to give it its full title, which I think is actually important, it's Dirty Dancing, colon, the classic story on stage. I wonder why they've done that. Well, because this is, I think that describes what it is. This is not a musical based on the film. This is not, this is the film put on stage. It features the exact script from the film. Mm-hmm. There's no rewrites. It is, um, who wrote the script for this? Elena Bergstein. So it's her movie script. They haven't added anything to it. It is the script on stage. So you're seeing, which is quite unusual because usually when they adapt a movie, they, they, you know, expand it for the stage, rad things. This is just the exact script put on stage. The characters don't sing in it. So they haven't like written a song for Baby where she's like, here I am at summer camp or anything like that. It's the music that was used on the movie soundtrack as performed mostly by a live band, occasionally a, com- a recording that was You're played right. in. It was mostly the live band, but we didn't. There was one, like Hungry Eyes. They didn't really utilise that band very much. They should have got on the stage more. Hungry Eyes was played in, I think, as as the commercial recording, which is unusual. So it's it's a kind of odd mishmash, but it kind of is perfect, I think, for the target audience. It's the target audience is 
people who have seen the film Dirty Dancing and love it. It's an iconic 80s film, it's an 1987, mm-hmm. and this is hit kind all of the moments that. from the film. And it stars Michael O'Reilly, who was, it was his broad, uh, his West End debut playing Johnny, and they brought him back. And you can see why, because he has that charisma as Patrick Swayze. He's built like a brick shit house. <laughs> There's this bit in it where he takes off his top. Is it just the top? Yes. And everyone, everyone goes lost wild. their shit. Yeah. I mean, I did. I was one of those people going, yeah. woohoo! Yeah, he I'm was a basic very bitch handsome. and I'm liking what you're serving. And I went with all my girls from work. Yeah, it's so that we, kind of show. It, it's so, if you're like, looking for something fun to do with people from work. This is like, this is it. Yeah. And yeah, he was really good. And he's a really good dancer. He's got the look. He's got, you know, charisma. He was actually a good performer as well. He wasn't just a pretty face and oh, a no, banging Oh no, he's bod. got the hip action. Yeah. And he's, I thought his actual performance, his accent was kind of convincing too. The American drawl he gave it had like an authentic cool oh, yeah. vibe. Um, Baby was played by Kira Melu, mm-hmm. and I thought she was good. She played it, I don't know the film as well as you, but she played it a little bit more childish and kind of like a bit more comedic, maybe? Yeah, she was, she a, bit was a little bit more like when she's, when she's ju- standing on his toes in that first sequence where he's teaching how to dance, she's really messing it up. Really she's going for it, kind of. Absolutely, like, and she really like played into that bit of it. I didn't mind that though because let's. This is a you know a hen night kind of show to go and see. Yeah. And I'll say that the night we went on a gala night and the audience were extra kind of extra extra, and they were like cheering and hollering. But I kind of you've got to go with it because it is that sort of show. This isn't really like theatre. This is more like magic Mike. It's more like secret cinema, but done so with the instead of elements of live performance, they've done the whole thing live. It's like the movie You're done so live right. kind of thing. Yeah. But look, when the songs start playing, when the first beats of Hungry Eyes come in, everyone's cheering. Yeah. And I think let's talk about the dancing because it's kind of a dance show. It's dirty dancing, mm-hmm. obviously. The dancing when it, the first big number when they go to the sexy club, you know, at the where everyone's doing the yeah. So they've the left the camp dance. and yes. they've gone to this club to where all the cool kids are dancing. Yeah, it was pretty impressive. There's lots of lifts, tricks, a lot to look at loads going on kind of glad we were sat a bit further back Mm -hmm. because there is so many different things going on and it zips through because like i said it's the original script there's no added stuff so the scenes sometimes are as short as a movie scene which is really short and unusual for theater and i think it might have made it feel a bit less like proper theater in inverted commas because like there would be a really short scene and then they're quickly whipping to another whipping to another but to be honest because it's a bit cheesy and it's just a dance show i'm kind of happy i'm like let's get it moving let's just keep i kind of enjoyed that really fast-paced tone of it where they're just running to another scene and then there's another short scene. Yeah, the only thing is, like, some of the scenes that they did, for example, when they're practising, her sister's practising for the talent. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm like, that seems a little bit boring. I thought the second act, I thought the first act had some more dancing. It's when they learn to dance together. It's when we go to the club for the first time. The second half of it, like the second half of the movie, focuses more on the drama. Yeah, on the plot. And that kind of lost me a little bit, the second act. I was a bit like, oh, can we just do some dancing again now? Yeah, th- the absolute absolute best bit for me is the iconic scene at the end of course um the talent show comes together and it's where patrick swayze jumps off the stage mm-hmm. oh and the dance no, and everyone went like the moment you hear that music the whole audience were just 
It yeah. was so perfect. Yeah, Austin Wilkes did the choreography, um, but obviously they kept for this number most of the original, a lot of the original moves from that number because you've got to have them all coming forward to the front doing the, you know, it the is, iconic moves. It is so good. I literally was smiling the whole way through that number. That was really good fun. It made me think, though, and I think you maybe you said this to me on the night, that at the, uh, in the first half when they're at the club and they're doing, there's not all the... All the big group dances were quite individual. People doing all their own lifts, and there oh yeah, wasn't a I lot was of, saying to you um, they needed more synchronized routines. Synchronized routines because and the you one get at that. the end is so good, and it made you think, oh, actually, yeah, I wish they'd done a little bit of just everyone in the club. Or just even doing a ball, a, even a when they're doing the dance ballroom. lesson, they could have done a synchronized routine. Yeah, then. everyone was a little bit too individual, too much. Whereas, yes. and that was it was nice when it came together at the end. So look, this show is it's big, it's stupid. This is not... If you don't like dirty dancing, don't go see this, because that's all it is. But if you love the film and you want to see the dance routine at the end done yeah. perfectly... Yeah. And, like, imagine what it was like to be there, this is it. Yeah. And it's, like, it's, it's great. a big cheesy, the whole thing's bright pink. It's just... It's, it's fun. good fun. And uh, Michael O'Reilly is a pretty hot to trot. Oh. And do you know what? He is actually in a real-life relationship with Baby. Oh, really? They're together? Yes. What's oh, her that's name? that's cute. You uh, said Kira it. Malou. They've been going out for three years. Ah, That's why they that's kissed fun. at the end on the lips oh. when they were taking their bow. Oh, I didn't see them kiss on the lips. Yeah, I Instagram stalked them. Oh, amazing. They're together. Well, tickets um, are... We usually sit in the dress circle row H because they're £35 because you have that safety rail. You were up there. Did you feel too far away for this or? Nope. That's a perfect seat. Seat in row H or even the one or two behind. Yeah. So that's £35. I think if you want to spend a bit more for £50, you can sit where I sat, which was in the stool. We sat separately. Um, you can sit in the stools at the end of the rows in the stools. They're £50. And they're actually, it's a really, it's quite a wide theatre, but it, I didn't feel particularly side on. So I actually thought for 50 quid, that's a fairly good seat rather than spending like 75 to be a bit further in i don't think you feel too side on so i think if you want slightly better go down towards the front of the stalls and sit on the end of the row because it's, it's yeah the the audience the auditorium is wide enough that there's no blockage from like speakers pillars. or pillars or anything like that you've got a pretty good view but so honestly just I, I i had a great view from where i was sitting and we got our tickets on today ticks sometimes they do deals oh yes they're doing a rush lottery every day and you have until the 16th of april to see Dirty Dancing. It was good. It was okay. good. Did what it said on the tin. Exactly. That's Dirty Dancing, the classic story on stage. It is a classic story. They've put it all <laughs> on stage. It is what it is. You go, have the time of your life. <laughs> and we will put our um, seats, um, view from our seats on our Instagram so oh, yeah. you can see what it's like to sit um, in the first circle where I sat or in the stalls where else yeah. is that? Um, and I was so inspired by, you know, the classic, iconic, even the um, title of the film on the, like, VHS or whatever, the logo of the film, that pink neon Dirty Dancing. Yes. They have that on stage. That's how much they kind of bring everything you love about the movie to life. Well, they that even had a down pink, on stage. A pink, we went on the gala night, they had a pink carpet outside. Yeah. And, and they had watermelons, like, props inside, didn't they? Yeah, I was going to do a watermelon cocktail, but this time of year it's not easy to find watermelon. So I'm going to make a cocktail that is pink, just for the pink, sheer pinkness that is Dirty Dancing. What are you going to call it? Um, I'm going to call it... No One Puts Baby in the Corner? No One Puts Baby in the Corner. <laughs> That's a great name. And, oh, before we throw to our cocktail jingle, we have got a new jingle, some people might have noticed this year, which was created by Shout to Finn. <laughs> Thanks for the new uh, cocktail jingle she made for us. I've only been asking for it for six months, but thanks for finally coming through, Finn. 
So this cocktail, as I said, was inspired by Dirty Dancing and it's neon pink deliciousness. And so I thought, what could be pink in a cocktail? Rosé. And I was inspired by um, our friend Jane, who she has a really good Instagram for anyone who likes kind of lifestyle cocktail things. Um, she's called Jane C. Ryan on Instagram. And she made a cocktail the other week using rosé. And I was like, uh, genius. So... I thought I'd use that for pinkness and then also a raspberry vodka that we have in that I thought would help create that pink colour. So I've mixed those two things and then it's some lemon juice, a little bit of Aperol, a little bit of Cointreau and then a splash of soda to top up. Think pink. Delicious. Mm, delish. I'm going to start using wine in cocktails more. Jane's inspired me. God, they get you so drunk. Oh yeah, wine and a spirit together and you get absolutely sloshed. So this is the Nobody Puts Baby in the Corner. Cheers. Mm. Okay, so let's move on to review number three, a play based on Emily Bronte's Wuthering Heights, a very famous book that everyone has read, apart from me. (laughs) And me. So I actually, yeah, I don't know anything about it. I've never even seen an adaptation. My knowledge could be summed up by the uh, Kate Bush song. Out of the wily, windy moors, we roll and fall in green. I mean, that does describe it. You had a temper, like my jealousy. Too hot, too greedy. How could you leave me when I needed you it's to me, possess you? I mean, that is basically it. Um, Her song says it all. That's all you need to know. Listen to that Kate Bush song. Yeah, the plot's actually, obviously, I'm sure loads of people know it, but it's quite a complicated plot and they make a quite a fun reference to that in the in the show. But let's. Uh, it's on at the National Theatre and this is a co-production between Bristol Old Vic, York Theatre Royal, and Wise Children, which is Emma Rice's company. Emma Rice, formerly of Knee High in the Globe. We talked about lots of her shows. And this is directed by Emma Rice. It's been on tour, and now it's come to London to National Yes, it's at Bristol. Now it's at the National in the Littleton. And we were really excited to see this, because Emma Rice always brings you something interesting, that's interesting uniquely Emma Rice, but kind of... And also, I just, yeah, wanted to see Wuthering Heights. Mm-hmm. And so it tells the story. I mean, we don't know how faithfully it tells the story, but I get the sense it's fairly faithful. But obviously, it's got all of Emma Rice's kind of um, puppets and eccentricities. You know, they break the fourth wall. This isn't like a really straight retelling. This is very and just such clever. Like right the very opening when he's walking across the windy moors, the way he just shakes his coat to look like wind. You're like. That looks like you're in... It's so simple and silly. I actually feel like you're cold and wet and you're you're in the wind. And all you've done is shake Shake your coat. coat And and the noise it made. And then he opens... He goes to knock on the door and he lets go of his coat. And then a a little guy from behind came and shake the coat. Came and shake the coat. Yeah. So clever and so funny. And like we said, the story's quite complicated and they lay it out at the beginning because everyone in it's kind of related. It's one of those classic... She's married to her cousin. And and the cousins, yes, married to the sister of the other one. So they make a funny joke about that, how it's very... Which I'm glad they did because it puts you at ease as an audience thinking, okay, I don't need to like be fully keeping up with this because they'll walk... Yeah. They'll walk me through it a little I bit. I don't get the family tree and that's okay because... They're going to kind of help help us we go. difficult to understand. And I thought it was really good. It's everything you want an MRI's production to be, like we said. And then just the comedy of it, because it's a really dark story. I thought, based on the Kate Bush song, that it was a tumultuous love story where Heathcliff was kind of this wild but lovable And they rogue. fall in love on the moors, And perhaps. they fall in love on the and moors. And she goes and a bit keep... wild. But actually, it's like he's 
horrible. And she's not well, always no, the well, nicest person. And also, he's... He's got his reasons, of, of course. Yeah, he's kind of bought by their family oh, yeah, he's at a got, market or yeah. something as, like, I don't know, an orphan, I guess. And then he's, like, given to them as another sibling. And she he's plays treated. with him outside and is a tomboy. But her brother treats him terribly. And when the father dies, he's basically made to live outside like an mm-hmm. animal. Mm-hmm. So he and comes then... back to sort of wreak revenge. And then the whole play is kind of the fallout from that. And the sort of every... He's just a, he's a very broken man. It's just, I just thought it's not what I thought it was going to be. And yeah. I really enjoyed it. And it's a very complicated story. And I liked that. It's like one of those, we jump forward three years and we're here. We jump forward another three years and this Yes, and now she's got married and she's come back a lady. And then, you know, this mm-hmm. plot moved on quite a lot, didn't it? Some brilliant comedy in it as well. And a lot of the comedy came from a brilliant performance by Katie Owen, who played um, Isabel Linton and then Little Linton. And that was like laugh out loud funny some real comedy moments and the costume that they put her in to signify that she was little linton with that huge big silk yeah he's a little brat and her little shoes it was just so she was just so funny and they made so many funny because you know how in these like old novels people you know have like or dick you know dickens like people have the shakes or the vapors or like these people are always ill they kind of made really good joke of that idea just these like quivering characters who and it was just Katie Owen was brilliant. Um, Ash Hunter played Heathcliff, and I recognised him straight away from Hamilton. He was the first ever understudy in the West End, and when we first saw it, it was a night when he was on, and he was brilliant. So I really recognised him, and he was great in it. He played Heathcliff in a very stoic, dark way. And who else did we really like? Heathcliff's daughter, young Cathy. Whitney was White. Whitney White. She just had such a beautiful voice. smile, a beautiful voice. She was very effervescent and you just which made it all the harder to watch him treat her so poorly. So mm. that was a really good performance from her. The whole cast was brilliant and they it's a real ensemble piece. They all play or a lot of them play multiple characters. Then some of the cast were then also playing instruments as a live band on stage. It's just everything in Emma Rice. If you've never seen Emma Rice production, you must see one because it's just got everything, a bit of live music, a bit of circus. It's just a feast for the eyes and it just feels like pure theatre, just every, all the puppets, all the music, everything. Mm. It's quite long. I mean, maybe, but it's a it's long... It's long and also let's talk about our seats. <sighs> okay, the Littleton's uncomfortable, let's just say that, especially at the front. I feel like the circle is more comfortable. I think the stalls, the seats, and it said this when we booked our tickets, that the seats are narrow, so your knee are almost touching the seat in front of you. We yeah. did only pay £20, so you yeah, think, okay, fine, you've price. paid £20, your seat is going to be a little bit uncomfortable. But then as we were leaving, I was looking at all the other seats behind us, which are like £40 going up to £60. They all they look quite look small. that yeah. much bigger. So I think if anyone is going to go see this, go and sit in the circle. Yeah, maybe sit in the circle, because I do remember, I can't think when I last was in the circle, but I don't remember being as uncomfortable. But they're really low-backed as well. Yeah, there is, the Littleton's not the best of the National Theatre. But for 20 quid, I guess. So you can get cheap tickets. This is running till the 19th of March, and... I think I would highly recommend it. For anyone who's a fan of... Yeah, I actually would. I think it was really... This is quite heavy. I didn't find it that heavy. Even though they're all being quite horrible, because of all the light comedy and the music that drove it all, the live band, I actually really, really liked it. But I thought it was too long, at 2 hours 50. And I know it's a big book and you want to get everything in and the epic sort of length of the story. We've spanned the life of these characters. You've got to give it its time. 2 hours 50 is not that long. But 
the first act just dragged a little maybe and you don't want that with an Emma Rice kind of thing. So a few trims here and there, but I, I actually wholeheartedly enjoyed it. Okay, well look, Oscar really enjoyed it. Um, Time Out have given it four stars, Guardian four stars, Evening Standard four stars. It's obviously doing really well. It's touring, um, it's been filmed. So go and see it if you uh, like the sound of it. For me, nah, not, not, I didn't really think about it since. Oh no, I thought about I it quite a lot. No, I haven't, I didn't love it. Um, but go and see what you think. It's on at the National Theatre until the 19th of March. The National Theatre do an amazing Friday rush deal, £10. Ooh. And they are released at 1pm. And you join a queue and you're assigned a queue number and it's quite uh, an adrenaline rush trying to get into the queue. Yeah. You have to decide what date you're going. You get in, you get your £10 seat. It's it's a great, great way, great to, way see. to see it. Yeah. So that was Wuthering Heights. And now we've got something completely different to discuss. At the Peacock Theatre, they are doing a production of Saturday Night Fever. And this is a production by Bill Kenwright that has been in the West End before. Again, not the sort of thing we would ever really probably go and see, a bit like Dirty Dancing, but we got invited to a press night, which was fantastic. And this is kind of a step further to being a musical than Dirty Dancing, but it is very much the film put on stage. But the characters, the main characters don't sing, so it's not a musical where they've added any songs. One of them did. Yes, but I mean, this isn't, they haven't added any new musical songs. This is the soundtrack, which is the second, it's one of the best selling albums of all time. It's still the second best selling movie soundtrack of all time. What's the first? Guess. The the best selling movie soundtrack of all time. Of all time from the early 90s. The Bodyguard. The Bodyguard, exactly. (laughs) Um, Which we've also seen at the Dominion Theatre. Oh, yes. So this is an iconic um, album, Bee Gees, all that huge big hits from the Bee Gees from this soundtrack, as well as other artists. In the height of disco, 1977 was a film, John Travolta, and this production stars Richard Windsor, who we saw in Matthew Bourne's Dorian Gray, the original mm-hmm. production. So he's kind of more classically trained dancer, but he's taking on the role of Tony. And Olivia Fiennes is playing Stephanie, who's his dance partner that he wants to enter his competition. Now, I think the film, which I have not seen... Neither have I. Is It was an 18, and it's kind of a bit gritty. It was like that 70s, um, more gritty filmmaking style. But I think a lot of people kind of remember it as being the same thing as Grease, really, because they just remember the dancing and the John Travolta of it all. And there were quite a few kids there. And I should say that this production, although some of the edges have been like shaved off, it does have like some choice language and some adult themes. And they've kept the script very similar to the 1970s movie. So there's some like kind of heavy misogyny in there. Yeah, I, I, let's talk about that because that for me was uncomfortable in that, you know, when you just think, yeah, okay, maybe in the 70s you did refer to all women as bitches, but like, do we need to do that now? Yeah, do you leave that in or do you take that out? So when he meets her, he says, you know, you're a bitch or a nice girl, like, and they, they kind of, I don't know, they add this in for the play, but she sort of says, you know, are those the only two type of women? She does try and kind of give us a counterpoint to it. Yeah. But, I just think, like, if they've taken other stuff out and you've got, like, poetic license to yeah. retell this, and obviously they have or kept... Or do they being... want to keep it as, like, a historical piece, as in, yeah. like, this is what things well, were some like? Some of the but... themes that they've kept in about abortion and about marriage and faith and things mm-hmm. like that, and um, her, his father's out of work and, like, the role that his mother has and stuff, mm-hmm. absolutely keep that in. Well, also, what are the... Cons- it adds to the story. Maybe what are like... the consequences for the male characters in this? What do they learn? Maybe that's the important thing that 
that's what you adapt it to. You keep it all as it was, but maybe you show us with put a new mon's spin on it where we kind of see what that results in for these characters, this toxic masculinity yes, or whatever. And maybe but it, it doesn't, didn't. they didn't. So I'm like, I don't really feel, feel like they needed to keep on referring to them as bitches all the time. No. So that's something to know going in. It's got that, that maybe more. And also, so let's just, if we're going to sort of start with the negatives, which is maybe an odd way to start a review, but let's do it because then we can move on to the positives. Okay. The tone is a bit odd in that there are some serious issues of a sexual assault, suicide, and they, because it is kind of like Dirty Dancing, a bit of a cheesy sort of fun show, uh, it just, to have a character who's going through a deep depression singing tragedy, it doesn't really work because it's a bit silly. Mm. And so I kind of felt like they should have just made, I don't know what you do if you want to kind of keep the essence of the film. It just, those moments didn't really work because it's just a fun disco musical dance show. Those moments just felt a bit cheesy yeah. and not very emotionally involving. <laughs> yeah. So let's move on to the good thing, which is just that it is cheesy oh, and it's the fun. Music. Obviously, and the music's Obviously, we've spoken about the fact that it's a, a Bee Gees soundtrack and they have the Bee Gees. Like, yes, like on, a Bee Gees tribute A Bee Gees tribute who are phenomenal. They were so good, those they're three singers. They're on stage at the top of... They've set, like, the scene is that they're in a nightclub and that's where most of the, you know, they they change the set a bit, but most of it's in this nightclub. They're on the top level and there's two stairs coming down either side. And then a band on either side of them. And it's and the band all is the, all fantastic. The like, yeah, it's so good. And then they have an MC at one stage. He's and you forget, brilliant. like you kind of think, oh, BGS. I don't really like disco that much. But when you hear all these songs one after the other, you're like, oh, these are bangers. Like yeah. they're classics. Oh, you can't and, wait for the dancing to start. And the dancing. So when we get to the nightclub, like the dancing is it's classic disco. They've got all the kind of. All the moves, all the hustles and the variations of hustles are ticked off. It's funny. It's very light on its step. You can see the kind of ballroom origins of disco as well. They incorporate a lot of that in the partner dancing, but it also has the finger pointing, the hip thrusts, and it's a lot of dancing. And Richard Windsor obviously is a professional dancer. He handles that really well. And they kind of throw in some more classical moves for him. He does a few of his classic leaps and spins, which I thought was quite a fun way to elevate the dancing. But yeah, the dancing's fun. The audience were loving it. The... Who's the choreographer? I was just trying to look it up. Choreography is by Bill Dima, who did Top Hat in the West End. Ah, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I just think... Protégé of Gillian Lynn. Oh, really? Yeah, she was his I mentor. I thought the ensemble, like the, the the cast like routines together, the synchronisation. It's you can what we see were... he's done Top Hat. It's what we were missing from Dirty Dancing. What we were missing from Dirty Dancing. They all were facing us the whole time. It's So you can see the lines and it's... Yes. So perfect. And everyone's given, putting that stank everyone's, on it. Yeah, everyone has literally like got amazing hip action. They're like, everything is elevated. Every They're bouncing finger. on their toes. It's got that, you know, like a jive yes. rhythm from a ballroom if you're a Strictly fan. They're on and their toes And what Oscar and I were talking bouncing. about afterwards is like every move, instead of just being one move, it'll be finished off with a little like hip, like mm-hmm. a hand flex in a circle. Like yeah. everything is just complex. It was really good. It was hard. It was a hard, chore- it was hard choreography, basically. I thought Complex. you made a good point about the club scenes. They had that cool mirror that came down. They had the lit floor. But we were saying his first, you were saying, which mm. was a great point, his first entrance should have been spotlit. Yes. Yeah, so he comes through, he's going to these nightclubs and he's excelling. He's the star. And he's, yeah. Him. And at that moment, I felt the crowd should have parted 
and you should have seen a spotlight on him and you should have been like wow this is where he's mm-hmm. we've seen a totally different side of him now he's been at the shop working yeah. selling paint during the day whereas actually it was just a big opening dance number and he yeah he was great oh my god he is such a great dancer yeah but it didn't feel like an, it was we really needed to see a spotlight a yeah. spotlight on him that was a good point um it's funny that he the opening scene because it's the, from the film because I heard a lot of people tittering. He wa- he's wa- strutting along with the two paint cans, and I actually turned up to the theatre with a paint can that day. You did. I had a paint can in my bag because so I'm doing a uh, redecorating a room, so I had to buy paint that day. So I it was like you know when people when they had dirty dancing on in the West End previously, you could get tickets for a certain amount if you turned up with a watermelon on a certain day really they did like a special promotional thing because in that baby carries the watermelon i thought can i get some sort of promotional <laughs> carry two tins of paint to saturday night fever and get free tickets or something <laughs> really, it's really good fun really and I, when we left we just thought wow that was the energy levels on that last number really get you like get you going yeah. it's a really sort of visceral yeah. kind of adrenaline thing to see yeah. that last dance routine that was really good fun and also if you've got i know we were saying at the beginning like yeah it's got some really dark themes and maybe you don't want to take your kids to it but not if, young young kids no I but if it's you've got swearing. you know how rupal is always like put your children in dance class mm-hmm. take your children to see dance shows like this that is purely about Pure dance, dance yeah because it's like going taking your kids to see like fame or something mm-hmm. they'll just it'll really in, it's inspiring yeah. to see dance at this level um, and tickets are actually fairly good at the Peacock Theatre, I thought. Saturday Night Fever, let me have a look. Tickets are, they range from £25 from the back of the stalls, um, and then you can get a pretty good seat for £65 further towards the front. But it's not a very big theatre, there's not a huge overhang, so to sit at the back of the stalls for 25 I actually think would be pretty good. We yeah. were halfway down, and we had great seats. I think ours were around £50. It was a press night, so we didn't pay. But I think they would have been around 50 but I think you pr- get a pretty good view from anywhere in the Peacock. Oh my god, do you remember the couple that were sat behind us? Oh, my, the couple that sat behind us. Not to sound like snobby, but I don't think they went to the theatre very often. And it was quite sweet in a way. Like the idea of something she being live on living, stage. eating and breathing. Everything every that moment. happened. You should, she'd just go, oh god. Oh no. Oh no. <gasps> he hasn't. Or like oh, when he first approaches, he sees this like beautiful blonde professional dancer approaches her to say you know, hey, I want to oh, dance with hit you. On her. Hits on her and she turns from where and she goes, well, that didn't work. That didn't work. <laughs> and he, like, the, her boyfriend was just absolutely laughing at everything. They were just, it was, I mean, usually that would annoy me, people talking in the theatre, but for this kind of show, and also they were just loving it. They were just, like, so immersed that they couldn't help but be like, oh, no, oh, Oh, oh God. he didn't. He oh, didn't. no. It was, it was so funny. funny. It actually was funny. It was funny. So, yeah, you can get some great seats. if And also, under 16s, it's half price. What? Yeah. Yeah, this is a good show if you're um, yeah, if you're too yeah. interested in dance, I think. And I think any kids from, like, 12 up, it's not that edgy. It just has some swear, like, has, you know, some full-on language. Um, just some full-on language and, like, major misogyny. misogyny. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, it's a fun show and the ticket pricing is really good for the Peacock. And yeah, it's on until 26th of March, so you don't have that long to go and see it. Um, and yeah, it would be a recommendation, actually, for a fun night out if you just want to see disco dancing. But also, There's something so infectious about it. When you have a lead character that is iconic as John Travolta in that mm-hmm. dance routine, they have really put the effort into finding the right person. And yeah. this, what's his name? Richard Windsor. He is the right person for this. You oh, yeah. will not be disappointed 
he he must be bloody exhausted after doing that like the dancing jeez he is not does not stop for a second yeah he's brilliant he's absolutely fantastic i i i really enjoyed it yeah i I know like it sounds like we started off with the negative stuff so we're like but actually this is a really good show i actually think it's really good if somebody was like should i go see this i'd say yes yeah I, i would recommend this over dirty dancing me too. Because this is more generally, you could generally enjoy this more. And that BG's music is so good. And, and the, the band's, the band's really amazing. Cool. The, the, they have an MC. She's an incredible dancer. We should, she's, she's a oh, beautiful yes. dancer. Oh, yes. Olivia Fiennes. She was really good. She's really good. Like, they've cast yeah. top-notch performers in this. Yeah. It was pretty incredible. And um, I'd forgotten that song by the Bee Gees. The, um, in the more emotional moment, he did a quite emotional dance to it, Immortality. And I know that one from the Celine Dion album that you used to have. Do you remember from the late 90s and we had just got our PlayStation and we used to play Tomb Raider and listen to Celine Dion. And it was a Dion. very hot summer and we spent the entire summer listening to the entire Celine Dion album Celine whilst Dion. playing on our Tomb PlayStation. Raider, yeah. And listening yeah. to Immortality. That was, I like that song. I listened to it on the way home. Let's get a PlayStation and get that album and have another summer like that where we don't go outside. When I listen to it, I just picture Tomb Raider as well to the soundtrack of Celine. Barbara and Celine doing their duet to tell him. <laughs> well, we, well, we've got like machine guns and trying to jump over boulders. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good times. Simpler times, <laughs> the 90s. So yeah, that was um, four amazing shows, actually. Also different, also interesting. We've had a really good few weeks of theatre. And hopefully we've got some more good stuff coming up. We're going to see that Gypsy concert at Alexandra Palace. Oh, yeah, I love One that night movie. only. So by the time this comes out, it'll be been and gone. So if you don't have tickets, that's about it. But we'll talk about it, I think, in our, um, in our next episode. We'll... Oh, definitely. We'll talk about what that's yeah. like. So thanks so much for listening to another episode of Theatre Club Podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. Leave a review, uh, rate this podcast, and follow us on Instagram at Theatre Club Podcast. And if you'd like any advice on where to sit in any theatre, chances are we'll have been there. We can tell you. Please don't. You know, somebody went and saw The Drifters Girl the other day and was like, oh, I had a really bad seat behind a pillar. I'm like, why didn't you confer with me first? I could have told you that. Yeah. So thanks again for listening and we'll be back soon with another episode of Theatre Club Podcast. Bye guys. Bye.